The last five psalms, Psalm 146 through Psalm 150, each begin the exact same way. Praise ye the Lord. As we enter the season of thanksgiving and praise, Scott is walking us through this crescendo of praise, a study he is calling the Hallelujah Chorus. In our busy lives, we must make time to praise the Lord, not only for what He's given us, but praise the Lord for who He is. And when our heart is filled with praise, we are ready for worship. Let's join Scott now for today's study. Praise is powerful because it brings the presence of God into all of life. Now we're studying Psalm 149, and we've learned already in the first two verses, that praise brings joy into the hearts of God's people. We've learned in verse 3 and 4 that praise brings pleasure to the Lord. Then in the final verses of this amazing psalm, verses 5 through 9, we discover that praise brings victory in every battle, in every struggle, in every trial, victory for the child of God. Listen to the verses beginning in verse number 5. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written, this honor have all his saints. Praise ye the Lord. (laughs) That sounds like victory to me. What do you think? Now notice, in verse number 5, it begins with present victory because it says right where the saints are, they can be joyful. I love this command. It's reminiscent of Philippians chapter 4, verse number 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Uh, It's a reminder of what Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So right where you are, saints, be joyful in your God. Be joyful in glory. And then he says this, and this is fascinating to me at the end of verse 5, let them sing aloud upon their beds. Think of this. What is the bed? The bed's where you go when you're tired, when you're weary, when you're sick, and when you're suffering. He takes the saint here to their lowest point and to the private place and to the place where they're all by themselves. And he says, make that the place of praise. All through the Psalms, uh, you see the psalmist referencing meditations upon his bed and worshiping upon his bed and singing upon his bed and praying from his bed. Uh, Those lonely moments, those dark hours, those night seasons should be times when we worship and praise our God. When you awake in the morning, stretch yourself out on your bed and make that bed an altar before your feet ever hit the floor. Say to God, God, I give you glory and praise. Thank you for letting me live to this day. Thank you for giving me health and strength. I yield myself to you. Let your, let your whole life, day and night, be given in praise to God. On the bed of rest, there should be gratitude. On the bed of suffering, there's divine aid. On the bed of loneliness, there's his presence for every tear and every temptation and every trial. And yes, even on the bed of death, there's peace for the child of God. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. I heard some time back the story of a dear saint of God that was dying, a man that I knew of. And though he had been basically unconscious and and non-responsive, in the last moments of his life, they said he opened his eyes and he opened his mouth 
and he began to sing and give praise and glory to God. I love that. I'd like to end praising God. Would you like to know how to die praising God, live praising God? Would you like to know how to be ready to praise God in the rapture? Get some practice today because the praise of the Lord brings victory, present tense, personal, powerful victory into the life of believer right where they are. But then notice, when you get to verse 6 and following, there's a shift here because it's not just present tense victory that we have, but it's the promise of future victory, a promised actual victory over the enemies, over the wicked ones. In verse 6, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. When's that going to happen? That's at the end of time. That's in the final victory. To execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people, to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written, this honor have all his saints. Well, when is that all going to happen? We know from Scripture that vengeance belongs to the Lord. That in our present day, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Uh, We're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. So we are engaged right now in a spiritual battle. And praise God, we have his praise in our mouth and the two-edged sword of the word of God in our hands. But this is actually a reference to future, final, forever victory that the king will allow us to share in. Do you understand that in the end, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is going to rule and reign forever? Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And God has promised us a share in that victory. (laughs) Hallelujah. Let's just pause right here for a moment and say praise the Lord for that. Uh, That this world is not the end of the story. And that this time that we're living in is not the way it all turns out. That there is a promised victory. The Apostle Paul wrote to one of the churches in the New Testament and said that God would bruise Satan under our feet shortly. Now, Satan is already bruised under Christ's feet, but he's going to be bruised under our feet. When's that going to happen? When we're seated with him. When we're seated with the king, then we will have this same full victory over the wicked one and over this world system. Go with me to the book of Revelation for just a moment. You've got to connect Psalm 149 to the end of the Bible because this is prophetic in nature. And I'll remind you that this is really what the hallelujah chorus is all about. The king, the king. Listen to Revelation chapter 3, verse number 9. He says this, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. They're not going to worship us. They're going to worship God, but they're going to worship At our feet, why? Because we will be seated with him. Listen to the words of Revelation 11, verse 15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. If that sounds familiar musically, it is because Handel took the very words of Revelation for the Hallelujah Chorus. They're the very words of Scripture. I was reading again recently that uh, when he was writing uh, the Messiah, when he was pinning the Hallelujah Chorus, uh, he did very little eating, very little drinking, very little sleeping. Uh, He was not distracted by the things. He was concentrated on God. 
And he said to one of his servants one day, I did think I did see all heaven before me, and the great God himself seated on his throne with his company of angels. Do you know what he saw? He saw through the lens of Scripture and the eyes of faith the king. And that is exactly what the psalmist saw in Psalm 149. He saw the king. And what was his response? His response was very simply this, praise the Lord. Read Revelation 19 today. See them all falling at his feet, worshiping God, the faithful and true one, uh, the, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. This is what it's all about. And you know what it should lead us to? It should lead us to praise God here and now. Because guess what? We're going to praise God forever and forever. I'm told that when Handel's Messiah was first performed in the presence of the king, that when they got to the end of the Messiah and the Hallelujah Chorus was being sung, the king just spontaneously stood to his feet in honor for the greater king. That's why today when Handel's Messiah is performed and the Hallelujah Chorus is given, congregations and audiences all stand to their feet. Friend, I want you to know we're all going to be on our feet someday and then we're all going to be on our faces. And what are we going to do? We're going to bow before the king and we're going to say, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. We here at Enjoying the Journey are thankful for you, our listeners. It is always such an encouragement for us to hear how God is using the ministry of Enjoying the Journey. All of the resources we provide are free, all because of the support of listeners just like you. While we believe your tithes should be given to your local church, we are always grateful to have Christians from around the country to partner with us as God leads. All gifts are tax deductible. You can visit our website, enjoyingthejourney.org, and click Donate in the upper right-hand corner. You can make a one-time investment or set up reoccurring gifts. However God leads you to partner with us, thank you. And we hope you'll join us next time on Enjoying the Journey.